and some of his opening greetings as we're looking at this this morning. Uh, so third John, first four verses, goes like this. He says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Let's have a word of prayer before we look at that. Lord, we do thank you for this day you've given to us. Thank you for the strength that you give for each day. Every day rolls along, we get up, and you give us what it takes to get through the day. Always just what we need. You are our gracious God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for these real personal touches that you show. Third John is probably the most personal book in the whole Bible. We thank you for that. We ask that you'll guide us through it. Show us how we can be more like you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, as I say, uh, unlike Second John, this letter of Third John is written to an individual Christian. It's one guy writing to one guy, just a letter. Whereas Second John was one guy writing to a church, uh, giving a church some advice. So as we look at Third John, if you're looking for real deep theological information, you've come to the wrong book. Uh, we're not going to get into deep theology in Third John. We'll touch on some, but it's not going to be real deep stuff. Instead, it's very, very personal. This is probably the most personal, most emotional book John wrote. Uh, and it really, one of the other unique secular people look at 3 John because it's a great example of what it was like to be two corresponding Christian brothers in the first century. We don't have a lot of examples of that. One Christian brother writing to another Christian brother, this is how they wrote. Uh, there aren't many examples of that from the first century. So even secular scholars look at this book for that, that reason only. Uh, so John wrote this letter to his friend Gaius for several reasons. We're going to see them as we go through. It's probably going to take us four weeks to get through this. It's a short little book. I think I'm, it naturally breaks up into about four sections. There'll be, they'll all be, next time will be a little bit longer than today. Today will be a little bit short. We just want to cover the introduction here. I don't really want to break into next week. But the first reason is John's trying to encourage Gaius in the work that he's been doing He's been providing hospitality to traveling missionaries. That's what Gaius' gig seemed to be. Gaius wasn't necessarily a preacher. He wasn't a teacher or anything like that. He was just a guy who gave traveling Christians a place to stay. Remember we talked about that. That was a cultural aspect. We saw that last week when we were looking at the tail end of 2 John. You'll remember that. Gaius was one of these guys that did that. Second thing he does, why John writes this book, he wants to point out the damage that Diotrephes has done with his misconduct. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, and finally, he wants to commend Demetrius to Gaius. 
Remember how I told you last week as we finished up 2 John that quite often traveling Christians would carry letters of recommendation with them so that they wouldn't have to stay in a tavern or an inn or something like that. They would carry a letter of, hey, this guy, John, says that he's of the like mind with me. Would you mind if I stayed with you? That's, they carried, so John gives Demetrius this letter probably to carry to Gaius. Demetrius probably delivered this letter saying, hey, here's, here's this letter for you personally, and I've got this letter of recommendation from John, the old guy. Uh, well, John calls himself the old guy. I see you laughing. He calls him, she's right off the bat. He says, the elder, that's me, the old guy, to the well-beloved Gaius. Uh, anyway, uh, so even though this is a very short book, I mean, I, uh, how many verses have we got? We got 14 verses in 3 John. Uh, we're going to break it into several small sections, and we're going to look at each section individually. It's the best way to do this. So today we're just going to look at the introduction and greeting. So all that that I just said was introduction. Let's go back to verse 1. The elder, unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Very, very similar introduction to what we saw in 2 John. John's using the from so-and-so to so-and-so style of greeting. Uh, we see that so often in the uh, first century letters. We see it in Paul's epistles. We see it all over the place. Uh, but what's interesting, and I just brought it up a little bit, uh, John identifies himself again. He doesn't say, from John, uh, the disciple that Jesus loved, or anything like that. He says, the elder. The elder. Uh, now remember, something we've got to bear in mind, and I'll hit on it again next time when we're sitting together, uh, John is probably the last surviving apostle. He's the last surviving apostle. This is, we're almost into, we're on the threshold of the second century. It's almost 100 A.D. And here John is, a very old man. He's the last eyewitness to Jesus' ministry. He was known, apparently, throughout the early church as the old guy. He's the old guy that met, he's the one that sat down with Jesus. He's Jesus' best friend. So that's how he introduces himself. Now, as we look at this book, as we're going to go down through, I, I can't help but notice how many times John uses the first person singular, I, in this book. I, 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 I. We see it a lot. This is John. In 3 John, we're seeing John pour out his heart to his dear friend. Now, there is one section uh, from verse 9 to verse 12 that we'll look at uh, where he associates himself with other folks by using the first person plural, we, we, uh, probably referring to himself and Demetrius and perhaps some other people from John's church, uh, but we're speculating there. Again, John's writing this letter to one person his friend Gaius, whom he calls well-beloved. He calls him well-beloved Gaius. Now, I know you're asking, who is this guy? Who is this guy Gaius? What do we know about him? Well, Gaius was a relatively common name in the first century. Uh, the name shows up four other places in the New Testament. Uh, and each one of these times, it's, uh, 
each one of the other times other than 3 John, it's someone associated with the Apostle Paul. Uh, in Acts 19.29, there's a Gaius mentioned who is one of Paul's traveling partners. He happened to be traveling with Paul, Acts 19.29. And that's probably the same Gaius who in the next chapter is mentioned in Acts chapter 20, verse 4, as uh, one of Paul's traveling partners described as Gaius from Derby. Probably the same guy. Uh, Gaius from Derby. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14, Paul mentions another Gaius as being one of the few people who Paul personally baptized while he was in Corinth. The, one of the only ones I baptized in Corinth was Gaius. And I'm glad of that, Paul says. Uh, that's probably the same Gaius that Paul mentions in Romans chapter 16, verse 23, as being his host while he was at Corinth. And by the way, I stayed at Gaius's house, he says. And I think it's reasonable to think that that's the same Gaius that Paul baptized while he was in Corinth. I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say that. So it seems to me that there were at least two different Gaiuses who were associated with the Apostle Paul. Gaius from Derby, Gaius from Corinth. Uh, there's no reason to think that either one of those guys is the guy that John's talking about here. I don't see any evidence that... I think this is a different Gaius. I think this is very well a third Gaius in the Bible. It was, a, as I say, a very common name in those days. What do you do with that information? Not much. That's just a history lesson for you. Uh, I don't have any real application. I just found all that interesting. Uh, but anyway, John calls this Gaius well-beloved. Well-beloved. Uh, I don't think that's something we should skip over. That Greek phrase there is agapeto. I hope you recognize the word agape in there. Uh, we know what agape is. That's that self-sacrificing love. That's the, this is a very, very affectionate term John is using for his fellow believer. This is someone who I love in a self-sacrificing way. And you know what? He does the same thing back. That's really what's wrapped up there in that word well-beloved. See, sometimes we lose a lot when we just come to the English and, oh, yeah, my, to my dear friend Gaius. Uh, well, this guy is so dear. John would do anything for Gaius. Gaius would do anything for John. Now, we'll see when we get to verse 14 that uh, Gaius seems to be a very significant person in John's circle of friends. Let's look at it. I'll steal my own thunder here. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Everybody John knows seems to know this guy, Gaius. All my friends say howdy, and all your friends are saying howdy to me. Uh, th this Gaius was a pretty well-known guy. Probably because he was a hospitable guy. He had a lot of Christians stop in at his place. When you bump into a lot of people, you can't help but know a lot of people. Uh, I think that's who this Gaius was. Now, there's no indication that he held any kind of authoritative position, that he was any kind of church leader, or anything like that in this church. There's, we have zero evidence of that. But nevertheless, this guy was held in pretty high regard. As I say, he, we got no evidence that he was a preacher, we got no evidence that he was a missionary. We got no evidence of anything like that. 
All we know is this guy let people stay at his house, Christians stay at his house while they were passing through. John goes on to describe Gaius as someone whom I love in the truth. Whom I love in the truth. We've seen John use this kind of language in all three of his letters. John loves Gaius because he, like John, is in the truth. In other words, he's a believer. Remember what 1 John was all about? 1 John was about how we all ought to love each other as believers. John is showing that in his love for Gaius. I love Gaius because he's a fellow believer. He's my brother in Christ, and I love him as such. I've taught this over and over and over again. I'm not going to beat it to death here. But in John's mind, to be in the truth is the same thing as to be in Christ. Christ is the truth. There's no other truth in this world. Christ is the truth. We'll expand on that a bit more when we get to verse 3, but I'm not going to beat it right here. Let's move to verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. John's really getting into the body of the letter here. And he says, Beloved, I wish that in all things you could prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospereth. Again, he starts right off with beloved. That's the Greek word agapete. Same He'd said, well, beloved, that's agapeto. This is agapete, same, same basic word. John regards Gaius as one of his dearest friends. He says that in almost every verse in this book, by the way. You're my well-beloved. You're my dearest friend. But then he makes a strange statement that I think is one of the most interesting statements in all the Bible. He says here that he hopes that Gaius's bodily health and his personal prosperity will be just as strong as his spiritual health. I hope you become as wealthy, have as many funds, I have as good a health physically as you do spiritually. Would you dare to wish for that in your own life? Would you dare to wish for such physical prosperity in your physical life as you have in your spiritual life? I'm not sure I wouldn't mind. It's pretty easy for us to focus on physical health, isn't it? Easy for us. We, we pay attention, or we ought to pay attention to eating well, exercising, sleeping well. It's pretty easy for us to do that, isn't it? But do you ever give any attention to your spiritual health? Let alone hope that your physical health is as good as your spiritual health? It takes discipline to maintain your physical health, doesn't it? It takes discipline to not eat what you want to eat. You might want the, uh, I don't know, most people have a sweet tooth. I don't have a sweet tooth. Uh, you give me a bag of potato chips in front of me, and I will eat the whole bag of potato chips. I, I, I like salty, savory things. I, I really don't care about sweet things at all. Chocolate bar, I'll walk by it all day long. No problem. Uh, uh, I like salty, I like savory. It takes discipline to not eat the bag of potato chips and eat instead something healthy, doesn't it? 
And we take that discipline in our physical health, don't we? No, I know I shouldn't do that, so I'm going to do this instead. Do you do that spiritually? No, I know I shouldn't do that, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's more often what we do spiritually, isn't it? How disciplined is your spiritual walk? John says that he wishes that Gaius's physical health and his physical prosperity, his physical wealth, would be just as strong as his spiritual. That's something to think about, isn't it? I could stop right there. That's probably enough to think about the rest of today. Let's move on to verse 3 and 4. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So in verse 3, we find out how John knows for a fact that Gaius' spiritual life is getting on so well. He just finished saying, I hope your physical life is doing as well as your spiritual. How do I know your spiritual is doing so well? For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified. So these people who were traveling through and they stayed at Gaius' house said, Yeah, John, Gaius, he's doing great. You ought to hear how he's ministering to people who stop in at his place. I don't know that's exactly what they said, but it was something to that effect. See, Gaius has been walking in the truth. So obviously, that it was easy for it. I almost said so obviously that it was obvious, and that, that would be dumb. Uh, he, he, was, he was living so accurately as a Christian that people had no problem seeing it in his life. They had no problem. If people, everybody that passed through could see that Gaius, he's a great Christian. He shows brotherly love. He takes care of his fellow Christians the way a Christian ought to, just the way Jesus would. See, Gaius' faithfulness involved more than just his own holding to true doctrine. We, can, we all do that pretty well. Oh, I, I know what the Bible says, and I'm going to cling to that. But do you really put it into your everyday life? Yeah, I know what the Bible says, but I don't always act in accordance with it, do I? And if any one of us is true, then we know that we don't really live as well as we ought to. We may know what the truth is. We may hang to the tr truth of God's word and the truth of his doctrine. But do we really exhibit it in our lives? See, Gaius had persistence in acting in accordance with that doctrine that was true in his life. Now, we'll see as we go along that one of the ways that he acted out true Christian doctrine was his hospitality toward traveling Christians. I don't want to talk about it a whole lot right now because that's going to be my focus next time. But one other thing that I hope you noticed is that in all three of John's letters, we've looked at 1 John, we've finished 2 John, we're looking at 3 John. All three of John's letters, he says that his joy is made full when his readers are in fellowship with him and walking in the truth. Every single one, John says, this is my joy when I see you folks walking in the truth. We saw it in 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, 2 John, verse 4, and here we see it in 3 John, verses 3 and 4. 
Now again, we see here in verses 3 and 4, I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. John apparently got some news from some folks who had visited Gaius and reported back to him. We'll talk about that more next time when we're together. See, this is the only, we've already mentioned, there were a couple of other Gaiuses that we, had, we knew where they lived. We got Gaius from Dur the one in Corinth, Paul baptized, he hosted Paul while he was there. Uh, guy in Derby, he traveled around with Paul for a little while, helped him out in his ministry. This Gaius, we don't know anything else about him, except that he welcomed traveling Christians into his house, took care of them, and exhibited Christian love in a way that basically unparalleled. And he's remembered in God's word as someone who was faithfully committed to the message of the gospel. That's something. That's really something to think about. The only thing we know about him is how faithful he was to the gospel. He apparently rejected the heresies that John warned about in his other books. I'll get into that a little bit more next time when we're talking about it. Because we see he's pitted not pitted, but compared against uh, Diotrephes, who was aiding and abetting the heretics. Gaius wasn't. We'll talk about that next time. Gaius was walking in the truth of the very simple gospel of Christ, and it showed in his life, in his love for everybody, whether he knew somebody or not. He may have never met these folks, but he showed them love as if they were family, because they are. That ought to be how you and I ought to exhibit our Christian walk today. John wraps up today's passage by saying to Gaius, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. In this case, the child is Gaius himself. Now Gaius is a grown man. John's the old man, and he calls, himself, calls Gaius his child. Gaius' faithfulness and his walking in the truth of the gospel is the source of John's greatest joy. Don't you think John, John had plenty of things to be uh, joyful about, didn't he? Hey, he could look back on his life. He's an old man. He's into his 90s. And he, he could say, yeah, I remember that time I was in the boat with Jesus. I watched Peter. <laughs> I watched Peter step out of the boat and nearly drown himself. Uh, I, I was the, on Jesus' last free day on earth, I was leaning against Jesus' breast. I was there. I watched him bleed out his last drop of blood. I watched him take his last breath. I watched Thomas stick his fingers into his hands. John had a lot of things that could have given him joy, couldn't he have? The thing that gave John the greatest joy is to watch his children walk in truth. I hope that's true of you and me today. Want me to mind if I close in a word of prayer?